Welcome to the Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy, the free podcast for motivated teachers and school leaders who want to inspire their students and school community in literacy learning. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast player, and for more amazing literacy resources, check out the show notes provided with every episode. Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm the host of a Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy. In every Toolkit episode, we bring you specific resources, tools, strategies, tips, techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. Firstly, we acknowledge and pay our respects to the Ghana people, the traditional custodians whose ancestral lands we gather on. We acknowledge the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of the Ghana people to country, and we respect and value their past, present and ongoing connection to the land and cultural beliefs. Welcome newcomers to the Facebook group and podcasts. We love hearing the diverse reasons why teachers across the world are joining. So much deep and creative literacy work going on in schools. And we love that there are comments that come from school leaders, from teachers, pre-service teachers. So I really love that across um, the the breadth of career, um, we've got people joining us um, and letting us know what it is that they would like to get out of being part of the podcasts or listening to the podcasts. So from a school leader, I've always enjoyed the podcasts and it relates to some of our core work. And I'm imagining that a leader saying that will mean that they're able to use podcasts as part of the professional learning to point teachers in the direction of those podcasts. And we hope that That's how podcasts do get used a lot because, you know, we have the fortnightly podcasts coming out and so there's really a wealth of information across all of those podcasts, across the last 60-something episodes, 74 in fact, 74. Uh, From a teacher, loving the podcast and implementing new strategies every week. The writing episode with Alan Wright recently was incredible. I'm hoping to learn more and implement new strategies in my class and influence my colleagues. So love that teachers are not only taking on that role of teacher, of their students, but of their colleagues as well and doing that learning and exploring together. Another teacher, after more than 30 years of teaching experience, I love that I'm still learning ways to engage my students in the learning process. So far, I've been inspired by the podcast topics and look forward to following this page to share ideas with other educators. From a pre-service teacher, I'm looking to gain additional knowledge and tips that you might not learn at uni or get time to ask a mentor. Right there, real learner, not, not get time to ask a mentor. I love that whoever you are, you're acknowledging that there are so many opportunities for us to be learning outside of just the face-to-face opportunities that we have um, with the people that we work with. Um, Other comments from teachers, new ideas, hearing from Aussie experts in the field. Another teacher, I've loved listening to the podcast for ideas and sometimes reassurance of what I am doing as well. Can't stress that enough too, that we hope that the podcasts really are about assurance because I think there are there's a lot of information coming at us as at coming at us as teachers and I think it's really important for us to know from you know from this knowledge that we bring to you through the podcast from teachers and from our experiences too that there is much that we can be assured of. I'm going so long on these comments here that this will be a whole podcast in itself. (laughs) But I think we really value the time that people take to uh, feedback on what they're getting from the podcast and and, um, why they've joined the group. So I hope this speaks to others that, um, you know, that are listening and that we're hearing this collective teacher voice and that... We belong within this uh, tribe of, of listeners and teachers who are all working towards these same things. I like the inspiration from the podcast, but then forget what was talked about, so I want to visit this page for the resources and see what else has been discussed. Podcast has been great. Thank you, thank you, from a teacher. And lastly, one more teacher. I'm a first-year teacher, 
love the early career teachers who join us. Um, I get to work with a lot of early career teachers and so love that they find a place here too. I'm a first year teacher trying to expand my knowledge and resources as my confidence in literacy is low. I hope I can learn and build confidence in my ability to teach literacy to really empower my students to be lifelong learners. So if you're not a member of the Teachers Toolkit Facebook group, we'd love you to join and introduce yourself to the group. Now, welcome to this podcast called Using Students to Inform Our Teaching. Over this year, we have been running a Literacy Leader Masterclass, which was a series of Zoom sessions across the year with a band of excited educators, just a small group that um, from across Australia who joined us for seven sessions across the year. We were able to share our successes and challenges in the classroom, getting feedback on what we're doing, and there's always a new topic to learn about each time. Sessions were recorded so participants never missed a session, so it meant they could listen in their own time. So what we've done today in this podcast is we've selected some highlights from one of these classes. Apologies for there are a few times when I may be referencing a visual um, and some of those visuals will actually be in the show notes of the podcast so that you'll be able to um, access those, that teachific resources that you'll be able to access. But even if there are some visuals, I hope you can visualise what it is that I'm talking about and really um, talking about the process of using students to inform our teaching not just by looking at their work but by talking with them and noticing them in the process of being readers and writers. So please enjoy the podcast. And just to give you a little bit of a forerunner of what the, um, the struggle, we always talk about what's the teaching struggle that we were trying to address, that we need to learn how to use that real-time data to inform our teaching. So as students are reading and as students are writing, it's a real opportunity for us to not only teach our students on the spot at those times, but to really gather some of that information too as they're in the act of those processes to be able to, through those noticings, bring our next mini lesson to the class to go from those noticings this is what we know our students need next maybe even on that next day. Um, Other teaching struggles what are we finding out from our students and how does that relate to what we need to cover in the curriculum and what are some effective resources we can use. So enjoy the podcast using students to inform our teaching and I'm hoping that it's full of some useful things to take into the classroom tomorrow. Thanks everyone. For us to be able to use our students to inform our teaching, my big piece always is here that it's real-time data, that it's real-time our students are the ones in front of us and they're the ones that we are they're the ones that we want to be informing our students, uh, informing our teaching. Now, if I think about when I'm working in schools and when I talk with teachers and I say, okay, teachers will go, yes, that's what I want to be doing all the time, but time becomes a factor. In fact, challenges become a factor. If I said to you, What were the teaching challenges about using students to inform your teaching? Can I get you to just do a quick brainstorm with me about that? If I said, okay, you'll all say, yes, we absolutely want to use our students to inform our teaching. Where are the challenges? And that's what I want to help us sort through today. What are some of the challenges in that? Okay, I'll put the first one up there. Just the other day, in a school, hear this often, we're looking at lots of big data in our school, so that means that I don't ever get to talk with other teachers about, oh, how do I use the real 
the real-time in-front-of-me data, just like you're saying, Giselle, Lauren, Tracy, you know, classroom libraries, um, you know, when when's that going to come up on the agenda of, oh, we'd just really like some time to be able to sort some of that because sorting that would help my students access more of the books that they wanted because that's real time. That's right now we haven't got the books we need or we aren't accessing the range or whatever it is. So this time that we might spend together might be on looking at mm, what might be looking at, you know, how well uh, we might be breaking down big data like um, how well are our students inferring on that plan? <laughs> And that's still good data, but I still want teachers to be able to, so one school in particular said to me that we actually just want to share how we deal with some of these things. We want to be able to talk about how do we collect, how do we find out, what are we noticing? So this time, and I'm just going to put time to share about our everyday student pieces and how that's informing our teaching, I think that's a challenge. That's what I hear often. And so teachers wanting to share with each other that as well as how can they easily um, do some of those things. So like that little routine of what if at the end of every term we resorted our classroom library and we built that into a process in the school. So let me go through what I was thinking there. If we're using students to inform our teaching, okay, yes, we need, we need to use our students and we need to know what's on the curriculum, what it is that we're um, at this year level or these year levels. So we absolutely need that curriculum knowledge as well. Because the challenge there let me say it as an aside, the challenge there can be, all right, these assessments are showing our students don't have blah, but they're in year six, and what are all the things that we are meant to be bringing to them and are we, I'll use a common one, they're in year six, they still don't know all their letter names and sounds. Right, so do I then concentrate just on that? No. I still need to know what's on the curriculum here to be able to link these things to get there. All right, so if we're using our students to inform our teaching and we've got this good, we need to have that good curriculum knowledge, then that is what is going to drive, this is actually the big piece that's always driving what we choose for our mini lessons. Because the mini lesson, what's the, what do we start with the mini lesson? I have noticed. I have noticed. Um, I have noticed. Let's do yours, Tracy. I have noticed. What might we notice about um, what they do? What might let's go to the inferring bit? What might we have noticed that they're not doing? <laughs> inferring. Um, say character feelings. Yeah. All right. So we might have noticed that they're not inferring character feelings. So our mini lesson is going to be about that. I've noticed we're having trouble with that. So good readers do this to do that and. And we're making this, this mini lesson, we're making whatever we're bringing to them, that's a class goal. It's a class goal. So we want to, we've, we've noticed our students not, drive, not um, doing something, so we're going to make that a goal as a class. And so to anchor that, on an anchor chart to have that somewhere to say this is our goal and then to have our students 
co-construct that with us on that page to help make sense of that so that they know what they're going to be able to take into their independent practice time. So that independent practice, I'm going into that with a goal. And, and it's the class goal. We're all working on that. But I'm entering it where I am with the text, that if it's in, it's in a um, reading situation, in the text that I'm, that I'm in, the just right text that I'm in. So our students absolutely inform our teaching by helping us by, when we're looking at what they're doing to set that class goal. Now, whilst they're doing that independently, I'm using my students to inform my teaching more because as I'm observing, I'm going, oh, all right, yep, I'm seeing how they're getting this or I'm seeing, so I'm just talking about roving at the moment, the class for that goal. I'm seeing, I'm watching, how are they doing with it? And I'll use that to inform my teaching to do any more on-the-spot teaching. And I can be giving feedback at that time. And so all of that is informing, hmm, what's my next step that I'm doing? How might we, what might we get onto the anchor chart at the end of that lesson? What can we um, see that what can they share that they are now doing what did they try that worked or that didn't work and that's informing my teaching as to what I'm doing more of or what I'm doing less of but then I've also got some individual goals going on because in their confer in the conferring that I'm doing with students I might also have some individual things that children are working on. Because I need to have, I can't just have all individual goals, or otherwise I don't know where I'm going with my mini lessons. But in my individual goals, through that conferring, that's going to help me build bigger pictures of how that, of you know, what the class, what the class needs or what individuals may need and how that feeds back into what I'm doing at this um, year level. So Di's article on the assessment for teaching and learning in um, reading conferences, of course, in reading and writing, the only time we can really get a good idea of what our of our students informing our teaching of them as readers is if we're doing that, finding out about them as they are reading. So, yes, we can rove during independent reading and find out some things. What can we find out? What could I rove the room for to inform me about my teaching? Well, I can use a whole lot of things that I can um, be finding out about where I don't even have to listen to a child reading. I can find out, I can just be looking in at what they are reading. I can be looking in, are they reading? Andrew? Yeah, so I'm, I don't want to try and get you off tone. This is the conversations that we've been having here is that, and some of it comes down to experience, is that balance between the curriculum and that sequence, whether you want a scope and sequence or a sequence of development to make sure you get through the stuff in the year versus the gaps. And, yes, we, we all have those usually few kids in year six yeah. who don't know whether they're nouns and names, but they're the ones that our head straight away goes to. We yeah. still have that bulk. And so so what's, what, what would your advice be on that balance between having a sequence to make sure you get through the mandated curriculum as opposed to using students to inform your teaching. Right. So. And right, if it's off track, just say it's off track, yeah. Andrew. Right, it's not off track. <laughs> so right at the beginning of, say, um, in reading, right at the beginning of Di's 
article on reading conferences, what are the things that we are using a reading conference for? So number one, a reading conference is the time for the teacher to find out and learn as much as possible about the child as they are reading and what they are doing as a reader. And that includes, now you'll recognise this as, um, you know, part of that big six, but what are we wanting to find out about? Reading interests? Because if they're not reading, and if we haven't got them reading, they can't be practising and using the knowledge that they need as a reader. So reading interests, reading processes and monitoring strategies. Now, that on the Australian curriculum is under reading processes. Their reading interests will fall under reading pref or falls under preferences. Then there's comprehension, which falls under reading comprehension or comprehension strategies. There's fluency, which falls under reading processes on the curriculum. There's vocabulary, which falls under vocabulary. And then there's decoding knowledge, which falls under phonics and word recognition. And phonological awareness, is that the other topic, I think? So... If we are thinking about those things, what we're actually wanting to find out about as our students to inform our teaching, as a reader, we want to find out, so let's say the child who is having some challenges with their letter names and sounds, we actually want to know, though, how are they using the knowledge they have to help them as they read, because that knowledge, actually, where else does it show up? Not just in their reading, shows up in their yeah. writing. But we want to know, our readers and writers, we want to know how they are using Those aspects of reading, we want to know how they are using that as they read. And so, therefore, if we want to find out how they're using it as they read, then it would become how I'm using a reading conference to inform my teaching and what am I teaching so if no, if, if there might be, I'm thinking about one class in particular because I only went into one of the five, six classes, I think. Um, if I'm thinking about that five, six, six class, what, who are those children who might need some um, practice with the decoding part? I might do that with some shared text with those students so that I can show them how to do, use their decoding knowledge and teach them some strategies there. But I can't, use, I can't just teach that one in isolation. I can't just teach a decoding strategy. I have to teach what else? How do I monitor <laughs> that that's making, you know, that that is, that that word makes sense? How am I... So I want to, and how do I, so these, just like Di talked about, all comprehension strategies are connected. All, the, all of these aspects of reading are also connected, just like aspects of writing are connected. So in that way, my only real source of information about how well they are integrating and using those strategies and those components of reading and writing, how well they're using them is how well they're doing that as they're reading and writing. Does that 
Does so, that answer the question, Andrew? Or it, yes, I think it does, and and also the the point of differentiation when they're in their independent work with their appropriate level texts, and yeah, I sort of yeah. as you went through things, hit in my head. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sharon, so, is it? Yes. You're actually doing the teaching by looking at what they're coming up with and what they're doing, what they're capable of, but you're keeping track of where that matches with the curriculum at the same at the same time. Is that a way of yes. talking about it? Yes. Yeah. That's that's a good point. In that, so the what we are looking for, we're always looking for the bigger elements and and the coordination of those things, or um, what's often referred to as the orchestration of those pieces. Um, so as we are as we are looking, that's why I've we've given you two pieces today. You know, the, so what are we looking for in a reading conference? Di's really outlining here, you know, what things are we looking for? But then curriculum-wise, what is it that we should be expecting at a year level? What should they be able to bring forward? What should they be able to... I've got a curriculum sitting in front of me. Um, you know, what are the things... And, and you're right, Andrew, about with experience, I know lots of those things to look for. With less experience, and that's why we've tried to put onto Teacherific some of those things that may be useful to guide people. And I was just reminded of this one again the other day because a teacher that I was working with had this one out. Um, this one that it's a lot of information on a page, but it's actually looking at, so it's sort of a little bit of a reading rubric, looking at habits, accuracy and comprehension where I could actually be, if I don't know what to be looking for, this one's a R to 2 one or K to 2 one, what kinds of things can I be expecting? Um, this one, conferring with readers, I've used, used forever. This one says conferring with readers three, which is really geared at at you know upper primary readers, I think so. There's one that says conferring with readers one or two, that looks at signs of development just as a list, and that can just be this one happens to be a um, you know sort of in quarters checking in um, type one. But I would use that as a teacher as a little bit of a checklist here, and then I put all my notes down here. But it meant that a child this belonged to one child, um, you know, and so my observations and notes were down here, but it was referring, if I needed some prompts, referring to things back up here. So the what to look for to inform my teaching, I might need some, I might need some guidance. These days I don't use a checklist to do that because I'm tragically, you know, anything on the Australian curriculum, I can just about tell you word for word what's on there. Um, and, then, and then knowing, you know, what I'm expecting readers to be doing, these kinds of tools I did use early on. This is an honest to goodness, I was using this as a teacher in my very early years of teaching because it let me know what to look in for and then that helped me know, huh, Right, we need some mini lessons on those things because, number one, I'm seeing a number of children not doing it and, oh, number two, it's on the curriculum. I should be teaching it. So if they're not doing it, then, of course, that you know, and at what level are they doing it because I want them to be getting better at that. And then with differentiated texts, it's allowing our students to be successful at applying those strategies even if it's not even if they're not yet at their grade level and by level I'm meaning their level of achievement I'm not meaning whether it's a 
level 26 or 30 or whatever, I don't mean by that, but by their by um, year-level expectations. Um, and once again, the Australian curriculum talks to us about what kinds of, what range of books, what features of books in the literacy learning progressions. Do you know there's a section in the back of the progressions that talk about text complexity? Has anyone seen that? No. I think we've got it up on Teachific. And I'm pretty sure it's called text complexity. Bill, you might have to just make a note of that. And there's four categories of texts. The first one is simple. The second is predictable. The third is moderately complex. The fourth is complex. And then maybe there might be a fifth, like highly complex. But it actually talks about what kinds of features we would, and that remembering that they go, those five um, levels of complexity go across uh, to 10 or foundation to 10. But it will talk about what are the features, what are the language features, layout features, genre, you know, types of texts. So there's this whole um, bank of information for us about what kinds of text we would be expecting students to be working with. So that is also a bit of a guide for us into, all right, using students to inform our teaching. So remember the first one I said about, um, you know, what's their, their reading interest? So what range are they reading? What authors? What genres? What forms? What topics? You know, there needs to be, um, you know, we use our students to inform us about that. If they're not reading a range, mm, right, let's expand that. So a bit like you were saying, Lauren, you know, they're not reading those authors, so let's expand their opportunity to engage with those authors and read those. Um, when Tracy was talking about inferring, you know, across picture books, wordless books and um, um, longer stories, but across all books, across how are they doing that across all types of texts? Using our students to inform our teaching will let us also look in. It's important for us to look in at those sorts of things. How can I observe what kinds of texts they're reading? My older ones, the best way to do that is for them to keep a record of what they're reading. And if that's in their reading journal, all they have to do is have that page open any day whilst I'm on a rove around the room and I can see what they're reading. So I want to point out too that our conferring isn't the only way to be finding out. We can be finding out some of these things by, um, by them doing some of that recording. How can I find out what they really got, what, they, what were they really able, the big thinking, the big inferences they were able to make? What was this author trying to tell us in this book or what was the writer trying to tell us in this book? Why don't I get them to do a jot of that? in their reading journal. And then I can see, and so can they. Here's my thinking. Sometimes we need our readers to catch their thinking for us because how many times am I going to be able to confer with every reader in my class? Not every, not every week. I'm lucky if I'm going to get to them in the term. <laughs> You know, it's so, so how can we use students to inform our teaching in other ways? So this, this catching it. So I really like to build in that students at least once a week are reflecting in their reading journals 
about the thinking that they're doing in their reading. And that's going to inform me. I can be, it will inform me on things that I, I haven't even had time to find out in a conference. And it's important also because we're giving them their voice around that. We're not just saying, well, don't tell me, don't tell me, you know, wait till I catch up with you. No, let's, let's get those things. So once a week, why can't they reflect in some writing on that? When else do we find out? How else do we get our students to inform our teaching? When they do a share. When they share out after reading and they tell us or they do a turn and tell and we can listen in and find out, huh, how did they do? What, how did they try that, that mini lesson piece? I'll never forget some new ones who actually did a really quick zoom around a circle at the end of a, um, this one lesson where they just all really quickly was a, how many children in the class. So there was 25 and they all took, it was like three words, how did you use your strategy today? And it was the strategy, like, where did you use it? Let's say, I want to say it was something like, you know, what was an interesting phrase? that you discovered in your writing today. And they just they just told us what it was. The interesting phrase, you know, this and that, um, blah, 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 blah. Round we went. But then we know that they used it. And, and why was that even important? Well, good readers notice interesting words and phrases. And so here they were noticing these phrases, they shared those, so what does that let me know? Okay, it lets me know everybody knows how to look for an interesting phrase. Do I collect them or did they collect them? Oh, what are we using those for? What does that mean? What does that, because my mini lesson isn't just a one-off that on that day, so maybe we've collected some in the next day. Oh, so how do we interpret those phrases that we've discovered? All right, so, so what I'm saying here is that informing our teaching comes in lots of really incidental ways but can be part of routine. Every time we have them sharing, every time we have them um, giving um, themselves feedback, that's something that we need to, we want to give feedback, but our mini lessons should also be able to enable our students to give themselves feedback, to go, yeah, I really, I really worked out what that author was trying to tell us today. I got that. So to really be quite reflective on that and how does that inform our teaching then? The fact that they can that they know that they've done it, what might we ask? Who, who felt, what's a question we could ask? Who thinks that really, you know, they really, um, you know, could see themselves in that mini lesson today and they did that? And I might just have hands up, yes or no. One other way I absolutely love catching that, though, is in my big book, my own reader's notebook or my own writer's notebook, but whatever the mini lesson is here, that if students share back, and I might have three or so children who share back and tell me how they use that strategy today, guess what I'm going to do on this side? I'm going to write down what they did and I'm going to put their initial next to it. And then I'm going to have students, as I'm writing that down, others going, I did that too. Yeah, I did that. That's exactly what I did. And so I might have some tallies next to it to go, okay, a lot of them were doing that. And then someone else said, oh, and do you know what I did? I did this. 
I'm going to write it down, initial next to it, and someone will go, huh, I, yeah, I tried that. And someone goes, yeah, I don't, I don't get that bit yet. Ah, it's just informed my teaching. They don't get that. So what did a lot of us get today who didn't get what? So that's just another quick way of really quickly informing me about who got what, who didn't. Do I have to do that every day? No. But it's another way of, of informing me to just go, hmm, we need to do more of that or we're really, we're really going deeply with that now. How tremendous. If children have been away, we can, the next day, we can look here and go, this might be our mini lesson today. This might be more of what we do um, today that's shifted on a little bit from here or whatever we're doing or what's our next step. But catching these things, for me, the mini lesson and this big book, catching things here is another excellent way of me gathering information and is a record of things that I'm doing. So when it comes to curriculum things, right, you know, how do we do this and that? Let's have a look. Right, we've been doing some work with, what do we do when we come to a word we don't know? All right, let's add that into now, monitoring as we're reading. Does that make sense? Did that, um, you know, is that grammat does that fit grammatically or whatever it is that we're doing so that we can keep adding on and bringing those things further into our children's um, repertoire of things that they're applying. So, so the the um, the mini lesson piece really gives us a good chance whilst our students are applying it independently, that's our best time to catch it, best time to see how it's working and best time for our students to go, ah, yeah, that's what I'm doing and not only do I do it today, I can do that. That's, that's what good readers are doing. That's what I can, um, you know, keep trying. When it comes to the individual conferences, the article um, that Di's got here I think is a really good piece for focusing us in on what it is that we look for and can be a good place for us to become stronger at noticing so that if we do confer with students individually, we can, and, and I'm just going to say here, who might be the ones that we confer with most often? It'll be those who, yeah, most, they're most at-risk ones. The reading conferences, to try and get through our students, don't try and think of having to get through every child in the fortnight. It's just that's not manageable. But some children need conferences more than others. And a conference is probably going to move them on better than even a small group situation because it's, an, it's not just a conference, it's another one-on-one -on -one teaching time. Sharon, my concern with conferences are that they're not happening frequently enough and so I feel like there are some students who have the same goal for so many weeks because I don't I'm just not getting there um, and even though it's a class focus and even though it's their personal goal um, uh, that for me is a real sticking point sometimes yeah and and that is that is one of the challenges 
So can I just talk through, I'm going to just, because half of that's rubbed off anyway. Our reading, um, our reading conferences, individual reading conferences, can take on um, um, a more of a cycle of moving from that individual reading goal if we think of this as a process, and, and one of the ways that I've just anchored that as a, um, you know, as a possible tool for it to be, and so these are, this is reading conference notes, um, and this is on TeachFit, and I've made it as a tool with some certain features to try and help it not be the, you know, it takes so long to get around. So this goes in a child's, like the, this lives with the child. So in a reader's notebook or, you know, reading journal or whatever, this would go in their book. Now, it doesn't have to be a photocopied version except that by putting it there, it, it just... Um, it just formalises it, I guess. Now, what's on here? Right. So there's five boxes, five columns. The first one is the date. The second one is called observation. So we can't observe everything. And, in fact, Di here talks about that if you are having an in-depth conference that's going to take 10 to 12 minutes that's going to be that's not a in and out that is a longer conference but we would still just have a focus so observation what are we going to be observing most right so if we've got this And this isn't the first time I'm conferring with the student. What am I going to, what's going to be my observation? What am I going to be looking for? I'm going to be looking for what was it that I left them with last time. Yeah. I want to be seeing how they're using it. So there's observation. I'll come to how we get to all of these things. The middle column is decide, teach. Next column along is goal. And the last column is called goal status. All right. So what do all these pieces mean? And there's little notes that go up above. Observe. I'm just, I'm really going to observe what it is, what strategies, if it's my first one, so what strategies are they using? Now, if I'm not sure about that, that's where a checklist might be helpful of something that I'm just referring back to. But I want to know what are they using that's helping their reading? If it's a comprehension strategy, I want to know if that's what I'm observing. What do they know about that strategy and how are they how are they using it? If it's a word solving strategy, how are they solving words and how are they checking that, that that's the word that it is? How are they monitoring that? Are they self-correcting? If it was a self-correcting strategy because they weren't doing that, are they are they doing that and is that maintaining meaning? Now, from the things here that I'm observing, so I'm making, I'm just making, it's not a big box, but it's just what am I observing there? From that observation, there is something that I will have noticed that I now need to teach. So I decide which thing because the conference 
isn't just so I'm using this to inform my teaching of the child. So what do they need? So let's say, let's pick something. Let's say they are, um, oh, can you think, someone, think of a child, think of something we might have there. Um, Not reading, um, so reading on when they've come to an unfamiliar word. All right. So, so what they're not doing, so that, so we're going to say, so there'll be some things that they, a couple of things they're doing, then we go, oh, they're not, they read on, they're not monitoring. They're not monitoring for, oops, not monitoring, monitoring for reading. So, and we might write reading on, not monitoring for reading. Okay. All right. So that's what I would say. Just like a mini lesson, I'd say, oh, I've noticed that when you're reading, this is what you're doing. And I would let them know what that sounds like. This is what it sounds like. Yeah. And when we do that, then we don't. You know, that's not helping us know what it is that we've just read. So we would be pointing out this is what you're doing and then to teach it, I want to, I want to say this is what we do when we're reading and I would model it. So instead of reading on, I'll be stopping at the punctuation or I'll be stopping um, at the at the word because if oh that's what you said Lauren wasn't it that then when they don't know a word sorry um so now we're talking I missed that I was thinking punctuation now it's decoding decoding so they're yeah. not so it's when they come to a word they don't know they're not using a decoding strategy hmm. so the strategy they are using is read over it and don't come back to it. Yes, exactly. And we can say that. We can say, ah, so the strategy you use when you come to a word you don't know is you read over it and don't read back. Good readers don't do that. So this is what we're going to say. This is a strategy we're going to use that I'm going to teach you to use as we're reading. So at that point... What will I be doing? I'll be going, ah, there's a word I don't know, and I will use an exact place that they've done that. You know, you didn't read this word, so this, which word didn't you know? So then I can then teach, all right, so let's go to that word. We don't read over. Is there another strategy you know? So I want to find out first, is there any st other strategy they know to solving a word? If they don't, if they say, no, I just, I just read over it. Now, which strategy can I choose? I've got a few to choose from. Depending on their age, I could say if it's got prefix and suffix, let's look at the base word and let's break it into its parts. Or it might be... Um, if it's not, you know, if it's a simple, well, if it's because it's a word they don't recognise, you know, maybe we use our sounds to work that, you know, let's use our letter sound knowledge to read through this word. But I need to then decide on what strategy. So <laughs> I'm going to teach them, I'm going to teach them the strategy. So I'm going to model it. Using what they know, I'm going to give them the language. So this is what we're doing. Then I'm going to ask them to do it with me. So I often say, actually, that the reason they're not reading it, or if they're reading on and they're not going back to correct themselves, that they're not asking themselves, does my reading make sense? Because it means that they're not comprehending the story. So I like that you're, you're actually focusing on the word attack type of strategy and not necessarily the comprehension side of things as well. Like, 
So it's a, yeah, because we need the word decoding to get to the meaning. Yeah. So, so if they do read the word but then don't know what it means, that's a different strategy we need. Okay. So if they read it, they go, "Oh no, I know what it says." Ah, so why did you skip the word? You know, if that was the case, you know, let's find out what it is that they are doing. But then we see we decide what we're going to teach. What's going to be helpful here? Let's see what you're doing. Why did you skip that word? Because I don't know what it says. Right. So there's my strategy. I don't know what to do with it. You know, I always skip the word. Would you put that word in the word wall if they couldn't read it? Um, the thing that I want to do now, though, is I want them to have a strategy to read yeah. that word. Okay. So I'm going to model a strategy. And like I said, it might be, is it word parts? You know, let's look for the base. Where's the prefix? Where's the suffix that will help us into meaning? Or are we yep. using our letter-sound relationships to work it out? Or are we using an onset rhyme? Are we using, what are we doing? Then we're going to read some more of that book, but I'm going to get the child to use that strategy now as we read. Because if I don't get them trying it out, <laughs> They don't know what to do when they come to a word they don't know. Yeah. So the with means that they're going to do that, that you're there to do, you know, to support them with that thinking. So they get to the next word and you go, right, so here's another word. What do we have to do? Stop. So not skip. Right, now let's use that strategy to read that word. This monitoring at the moment is, well, we're just not skipping words because it doesn't make sense. We've got to have a strategy to work out the word and then we can go, oh, now we know what we've read. Now that makes sense. Now doing it with them, so they do it with you, we do that. So now we can say, so what's your goal? So when you come to a word you don't know, what do you need to do? And so what we want to write here is what they tell us they are going to do when they come to a word they don't know. So we can write it. But they have to say, they've got to put it into their words. Because if they don't, they've got no idea what it is. They're not going to do that goal. <laughs> They're not going to do anything with it. So the goal is so, and we might start them off. So when, so when I come to a word I don't know, what am I going to do? So when I, and then, so then I write that in. And do you know what? They are, if I've done this bit with them, it just comes. If it doesn't come, come back here. Come back here and do another one. So that they've, until you've got, so, but they need to have something here that they can do. Now, if it's in their words, it just makes, okay, that's what that's the thinking that I do. So when I come to a word I don't know, I do blah, 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 blah. Over here in this column, it says goal status, and it says I've got early, on the way, solid doesn't matter what you might have particular language like in a visible learning schools some have beginner beginner learner 
learner plus. Um, but early on the way, I'll tell you why I chose those words, because it's a little column and I wanted something short. <laughs> and they fit. All right. So here, mm, where are we with it? All right. We're early with that at the moment. We're early. Now, if I've got that, if that's in their reading journal and during reading time that page is open in their reading journal and it's on the table as they're reading independently, it's good because what should they look at before they start reading? What's my goal? The goal, yeah. What's my goal? And there's the language for it. What does that let me do for the people who I don't get to very often and it's a long time between? If they're on an early one, I can pop around. I can just do a row of, oh, read me a little bit. Ah, so let me show me what you do when you get to a word you don't know. Excellent. And I might, you know, do a little tick there next to early to say that I've, you know, I heard again. Or it might be a week later, I'm going, well, this is really on the way. So I might now just circle that on their sheet and that's letting me know where they are with it. That's informing me and it's informing them how they're going with it. So when I meet with this child again, I can check in. All right, how are we going with this goal? Because if I haven't got in the in-between time, all right, show me how we're going with that. I'm going to observe that. Right, we're, we might be ready for another stage of that or another strategy for that. Um, but as I listen, I can go, oh, yes, observation. Wow, I am circling that now. That's great. I can see you using that all the time. So in that way, you're not having to do... You, can you see how it's just building your conference notes yeah. into bigger things and into teaching time as well as, oh, right, now I've got 17 children who've all got that goal. Now I've got to yeah. do a lesson around that. This yeah. individual goal piece can keep rolling and you can check in on a very focused, in a very focused kind of way and you've got good record keeping over here of how they're going with it. And I just love it when kids come with the sheet to you and they've already circled solid <laughs> because they're giving themselves feedback. You know, it's that thing I, I often see, you know, at the end of um, reading time next to their goal, I'll see kids, you know, starting to do ticks next to something going, yeah, I tried it, but, you know, I'm still, I'm still, or they'll go, oh, yeah, I am really on the way now. Because whose goal is it? Their goal. How often should they be checking in on that goal? Every time they're reading. <laughs> because that's what's, that's what's, you know, slipping them up. So... Does that, Lauren, does that maybe get some of that, um, you know, the revisiting of goals and getting back to, you're right, if you don't see them very often, how can they keep going with it? Yeah, that's right. No, that was great, actually. It's about being uh, self-directed and self-regulated, isn't it, Sharon? Yes, yeah. So the goal becomes, so this is child on the page. They're on that page themselves in their words so that as we keep, we talk about, you know, the three selves, self-regulate, self-motivate and self-direct your own learning here. And it's just great when kids come, I'm ready, I've got another, 
I think I'm ready for another goal. And, And when they do that, then you're in an entirely new place. They have just informed you what they, you know, that they're ready. And what we can frequently ask is what do you think you're ready for? I'm ready for, um, you know, and they'll often link into, you know, our whole, you know, our class goal things. Oh, I think I'm ready to do this and that now. Or I'm ready for, so the more goals, you know, sort of whole class goals that they're seeing, the more they're actually able to. I've even had kids do this where they've written down, they've written in the observation column things that they've noticed or they've started writing in here, you know, a goal that they think is right. I mean, and I think, like, this isn't just about us as teacher. This is about child on the page. This is about what they do. And does this work for reading only? No, it works for writing. Sharon, it works for anything. Uh, and you'd model this um, as a mini lesson too. Model uh, this, pro- this process of individually keeping track of themselves, you could model this as a... Yeah. Yes, 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 you could. Okay, you could. Do. That's it. Absolutely. Like having how do how do we use this to um yeah check check ourselves. I think it's actually really powerful for I think we need another column here, quite frankly, where they can, you know, do some although there's usually room here, but somewhere to just check for themselves what they're doing. That's great. I've got to go. Sorry. That was fantastic. Thank you so much. Great. And that, that, I'll just say, you know, can be that process is actually really good as a school process. Yeah. You know, that if children know, if children knew across the years that that's what they were always, you know, that, that they were working on individual goals. You know how when we, you know when we get kids to set goals, they don't know what to set. So hard for them to know what to set. But this is so individualised, so personalised for them that they get better at recognising what they're doing as a reader or writer and being able to... This is what helps view themselves much more strongly as a reader or a writer. Thanks for listening to the podcast. To make sure you don't miss any literacy learning tips and insights, please subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player. At Q Learning, our literacy specialists draw on over 30 years of teaching and international consulting experience to deliver world-class learning solutions. We equip, empower and support teachers to become their authentic selves. To find out about upcoming webinars and about how Q can help you and your school, visit qlearning.com.au. And you can get even more amazing teaching resources right now at teachific.com.au. Stay tuned.